0: Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton-Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now, here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield. Good
1: morning and welcome to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen joined by Gary Potterfield. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Merritt. Well, I'm eager to dive right into today's topic because you know it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, we're talking about nonprofits and the challenges uh, they have with regard to uh, brand development and uh, promotion. It's because it's a crowded field.
2: Yeah, I was doing some uh, uh, some fact checking before the show to find out. Uh, yeah, one over a million as of a, few, a couple of years ago, over a million public charities in the country. So million and a half total tax-exempt organizations. So, yeah, I guess it would be.
1: And something I've learned in over a decade of nonprofit board participation is nonprofits have all of the same issues uh, as a for-profit organization. You've got HR. Uh, You might not be uh, trying to increase profits uh, for investors, but you do need revenue so uh, and uh, how you report it and how you disclose it is very important to both uh your contributors and to the irs uh so just because you don't pay taxes don't mean uh you're not filing a lot of forms with the irs so finance hr uh, uh mission uh sustainment uh very much like a for-profit these are all uh the considerations a nonprofit has to take and then at the same time differentiate themselves uh, uh uh for to, to their revenue sources to uh re, you know remain sustained
2: yeah um we've got a fr- very close friend who uh does uh, nonprofit work and uh and the, that, that you know the it, it, obviously it's the passion uh for for the for the charity that drives him and I'm sure drives many if not most um but uh, boy that constant uh, challenge of you know in the fundraising mode, like, uh, all the time. It's kind of, I would imagine it kind of weighs on folks. Maybe I'm wrong, because uh, I've not done that part of the the job. I've volunteered, but I've never been part of a nonprofit.
1: Right, and then, you know, there's all sorts of different types. You know, there are foundations that are established by charitable trusts from really wealthy benefactors. You know, that's, that's a nice situation to be in. Yeah, I guess so. There are, um, yeah, uh, uh, there are the uh Uh, So many veterans organizations now who are really relying on corporate and private and hitting the ground uh, for fundraising uh, every single day. It's a major part of their operation. And then there are nonprofits that I'm the most familiar with that uh, serve the severely disabled, and they rely on state and federal funding and even some state and federal contracts in addition to uh, 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 personal and corporate contributions. So that makes it even more complex because... Uh, you may be running group homes for the severely uh, disabled and you're also putting them to work on some federal and state contracts. And now, in addition uh, to all of your worries, you're also worrying about a facility security clearance. You're also worried about your DCAA uh, upcoming audit. And so uh, in in some ways, it seems the more revenue streams you find, the more work it takes um, to manage them. Hmm.
2: Um. Yeah, I was. I also was. I I saw saw a thing on um, another uh, thing I was researching this morning, that uh, in general, uh, nonprofits spend uh, five percent or less in uh, public relations. So uh, I would imagine that in any, there's a lot of uh, um, a microscope on the nonprofits from the supporters of the nonprofit about where are you spending your money? What are you doing with my money? You know, even if it's if it's federal money or if it's you know charitable charitable giving they may go on, Hey, what are you doing spending uh, 5% of your spending all this money on, on, on that PR guy. I imagine that's tough. There's,
1: there's that. And also there's so much focus on um, donor relations, donor development and fundraising that it can be argued. That's really the, you know, the marketing arm. And uh, I think a lot of nonprofits uh, see that as their primary communication, uh, primary communication vehicle. Uh, But it, uh, nonprofits of any size do need a sound communication, community outreach, media outreach, social media strategy. Sure. No matter who does it, mm-hmm. and for, for a startup, it could be you know it could be the executive director who's a uh, uh, PR person in charge, uh, in chief. Uh, but uh, the scrutiny you have on how you spend doesn't uh, eliminate the need to do it
2: yeah, I imagine the the same uh, the the same skills that work for, for in every aspect of the business um, uh work for they work for a for-profit organization, work for nonprofits. the same skills are needed and the same capabilities, right?
1: absolutely, absolutely. You just have um, I think you have very different um, you, you you have different categories and different types uh, uh, of uh, approaches. you know there's, some, some of our nonprofits are absolutely iconic global brands like the Red Cross. Right. Uh, and they have to spend a lot of time maintaining that brand, not just by their operations, but by their communication and their outreach.
2: So what? So when you're in your experience with with the uh, with the nonprofit with the, uh, the 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 Ready One that you had worked with, what, what experiences did you find were the most challenging from the from that aspect about uh, outreach and, and marketing and and public relations, all that wrapped up? What, what were the biggest challenges that you saw?
1: Well, Ready One was, of course, uh, started as a crisis communication uh, uh, issue. It was a uh, It's a nonprofit employing the disabled in El Paso that um, uh, is a uniform manufacturer. So they have a lot of disabled people working sewing machines. And um, a previous CEO realized he could actually uh, make a lot more uniforms if he didn't follow the federal guidelines on how many disabled people he hired. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, revenues were going insane, and there's you know there's some other great things like uh, he was uh, making seven-figure general journal transfers to himself in um, the accounting system and uh, all sorts of irregularities. So when I first joined as a board member, uh, it was all trying to keep the thing open so that we weren't turning hundreds of severely disabled people um, out into social services because. Uh, Reggie One provides really outstanding, uh, outstanding jobs and benefits for the disabled uh, population of El Paso, and you know the, <laughs> kind of amusingly, the first thing, uh, just about the first thing, Reggie One did was they changed the name, and the previous uh, organization was never spoken of again. So it was a fairly drastic rebranding, but it really worked. And uh, uh, modeled after um, rebranding taken place with the federal program, which used to be called the Javits Wagner A Day program, became Ability One. Ready One was able to tie into that branding and uh, emer- emerge as a, a new organization. Uh, but then it's um, uh, there's the public scrutiny of how well you pay your executives, and then there's the co- uh, competitive uh, scrutiny. There are plenty of other nonprofits. Uh, they're a part of this program who are competing with you for contracts.
2: So you joined into an organization that uh, that takes, I think that's uh, admirable that you uh, joined an organization on the board uh, that uh, was uh, not looking good in the public, uh, to the public, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the greater public didn't, didn't see these things that were going on, but I, I imagine they did. And, and so uh, there you go, jumping into something that, uh, that, uh, can paint you. Oh, look, you work for those guys, those those bad guys at, at Ready One.
1: I'll tell you what really helped is a much smarter man than, uh, a much smarter person than I, who was also on the new board, listening dumbstruck to the uh, 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 crisis manager describing what had happened, uh, uh, very intelligently asked if uh, uh, board directors were covered under the um, uh, organization's insurance policies and uh, could. Uh, also, th- you know, also had indemnification. I wouldn't have thought to ask that, but once uh, that question was asked and answered in the affirmative, I was good. I was down. <laughs> I'm going to help, and I probably won't get sued. Yay! <laughs> uh,
2: that's a good one. Uh, uh, well, that, well, that's good. Um, yeah. Uh, it, th- th- again, for me, this is a great episode because uh, there's a lot that I just do not know. Um, certainly I know about PR and I know about, uh, you know, communications in general and branding and marketing. Uh, but the nuances of, uh, of, of doing so for a nonprofit is, uh, is going to be interesting for me to hear about.
1: Yeah, cause it's, it's really, uh, not just, uh, uh, it's not just fundraising. It's really walk, uh, uh, walk, in, walk in the walk, um, what do you do, and um, much more than uh, just say plain operating results for a for-profit company and revenue? How many people are you reaching? What have you done? What's the outcome? That's what uh, people want to see, and it's a very different type—a uh, very di- different type of measurement. So I'm so excited uh, to welcome our guests this week. Is Jack Shirick, the principal of Now You Know, uh, and it's a marketing communications company he founded that focuses specifically on nonprofits and small to mid-sized for-profit corporations to help them uh, develop sustainable communication activities uh, to support their their business or outreach goals. Uh, He's got uh, more than two decades of strategic communications experience and he aligns, uh, he focuses on aligning PR, marketing, advertising activities to create brand consistency and cohesive messaging. Uh, his background comes from a very well-known uh, nonprofit. He was the regional director for Operation Homefront. Uh, but he started up his own communication business with the idea of combining his nonprofit leadership and operational uh, expertise with his communication expertise to help uh, companies and nonprofits build the positive and lasting relationships they need with stakeholders, investors, or donors. So uh, I think we're going to have uh, a great conversation with him. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll I'll leave it to you, Gary, to take us to break. I got all all wound up on Jack.
2: Well, <laughs> you got all jacked up. That's what you got. Um, the um, uh, yeah, and of course, uh, and and of course, you know, g- getting all that terrific uh, experience in uh, in in public relations and communications and all that, and being a one man band and all that. You can you know where you can you know where you can learn that. You can learn that in the Navy. That's uh, that's. That's where I think uh, maybe he got a little bit of uh, experience uh, doing that. So there's, there is uh, there is the Navy connection that we're going to have with Jack, and that's going to be great. So uh, this is going to be a good, a good uh, another forty-five minutes or so in our show. And uh, we're talking about um, nonprofits and uh, branding and marketing. And um, so we're going to come back with Jack Chirik, and we're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. Before you, uh, uh, we, we leave for break, though, um, give us a call uh, at 866-472-5790 so you can talk to Jack, talk to Merit, talk to Gary, uh, or just give your comments on what you feel about the issue. Or send us an email at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com, and we'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit voxoptima.com. That's voxoptima.com. with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors.
1: I'm Merritt Hamilton-Allen, joined by Gary Potterfield and our guest, Jack uh, Chirik, the principal of Now You Know. We're talking about nonprofit branding. If you want to join the conversation, call our listener line at 866-472-5790 or send us an email at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. Jack Chirik, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us today.
4: Yeah, good morning, Merit. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. It's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, and I'm honored to be here and talk about it with you both today.
1: Well, let's jump right into it. Are there some common uh, uh, threads or even, uh, I say, what, what are some common challenges that nonprofits have with regard to branding and outreach?
4: You know, I mean, honestly, when you think about, you know, branding in the nonprofit world, it's not fundamentally different,
1: you know, than
4: the for profit sector. I think, you know, the primary considerations, you know, that are really different at the end of the day is, number one, that, you know, the specific consumer of the product is not necessarily the person who purchases it. So, when you're creating your, you know, messaging alignment, and you really need to create a message. It not only resonates with, you know, the donor, you know, who's going to be funding the project, but, you know, also with the client space so that they have a very clear understanding of who you are and how you're really there to empower them um, and make their life better. I think the other unique challenge, you know, that I think that you and Gary kind of already touched on a little bit is that, you know, nonprofits operate in a very different space from a funding perspective. I mean, obviously, in the for-profit space, you know, if it's a publicly traded company, I mean, you still have to appease the investors. But in the nonprofit space, you know, there's a lot of attention being paid to efficiency and how much money is truly being spent on the mission. And, you know, that figure actually becomes a part of a nonprofit's identity and brand so there has to be a lot of attention paid to how much a company will spend you know on the overall communications effort um, so that it doesn't actually you know uh, go into a lot of administrative costs and offset that to where you know maybe only seventy percent of their budget is being applied to mission, you know, let's say. I mean you know, you really kind of want to be operating in that you know ninety percent space that definitely seems to be where. You know donors uh, feel comfortable working with an organization at
2: the end of the day. yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, you know in the for the federal side, the um, the, the combined federal campaign, and you you know people employees uh, you know get that form and you know multi-page document that shows all kinds of different, I mean hundreds of um, of possible uh, organizations to whom one may donate. And right there, they list the, you know the percentage. Um, that goes to overhead and you know how much actually gets to the uh, get, gets out there and i think that you know right off the bat i think it's a great point you make um, you know if, if you see a number that's uh a really really low in terms of how much is actually getting out to the, the thing i think that just turns people right off and they start thinking that there's uh you know something um untoward going on so i imagine that's uh yeah that's definitely got to be a big challenge that uh is different from for profit <laughs>
4: Absolutely. You know, I mean, however, you know, one really has to consider the sum total of activity, right? It's how is the organization spending their money and what are they spending it on? And when we start talking about brand, I mean, brand is more than marketing. I mean, that would kind of be like, you know, what one might consider, you know, the big taboo, so to speak, in the nonprofit world, and it's not. I mean, branding is really about an organization's identity, not just the marketing aspect of it. It encompasses HR. It encompasses, you know, the, the PR of the organization, how clients are treated, what specifically you're doing for clients, and how you're really trying to make an impact in their world at the end of the day. I mean, all of that encompasses brand. And so to invest in that is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's a really good thing. I mean, it helps to establish who you are as an organization and the true value that you're bringing in the world, you know, not only to the clients, but just, you know, in general, making the world a better place.
1: what's the first thing that you um, look for when you're working uh, with a nonprofit or what's, what's the first thing uh, you, uh, you ask them when you're trying to um, uh, uh, ev- evaluate uh, th- th- their brand and their outreach?
4: The solution. Um, you know, I, I try to take a solutions based approach when working with nonprofit, you know, what are they doing to solve a problem at the end of the day? Um, you know, that really makes a huge difference. You know, um, it's almost like the teacher man to fish concept, right? Like if an organization is sitting there working with, you know, a, you know, overseas population to bring them water and the way that they do that, the way that they solve that problem is by, you know, packaging the water and flying it over there, right? You know, that's one way that you can solve that problem. However, another way that you can solve that problem is, you know, to build wells, you know, in those foreign countries or to help them with water reclamation products. So, you know, solution becomes a very big deal. Uh, The other thing that I really want to consider when I'm working with a company with regard to brand is, Really want to make sure that they have a very clear sense of identity and vision. Like, how is that solution going to make the world a better place? Because all of these really kind of form the core of your communications at the end of the day, right? They're the fuel that feeds the fire, so to speak.
2: You know, um, that's interesting about the solution part of it, because as, just as you're talking, Jack, I, I think about the things that where I have uh, uh, donated. Money and and it kind of is, I think now that I think about it, it kind of goes back to kind of where I am as a person, who I think and what I think about. From on the you know, one hand, I have worked with the, that company Kiva that does the small business micro loans, and and I, there was another one that um, that company that's weird. That what was it called? Heifer International, where they where they give uh, um, actual animals to to people. You donate animals so they can like have milk oh, yeah. from a goat or something like that.
1: I don't recommend that as a Christmas gift for a 13-year-old, by the way. I've done that because I thought she thought it'd be really cool that she was giving a goat to a village. No.
2: (laughs) She didn't think that was cool? She wanted to give an iPhone or something? No. (laughs) There you go. Yep. Well, Well, we know
4: we're sending you for Christmas this year, Merritt.
2: So anyway, getting back to it, I think think the idea, it's interesting is that, you know, what is the solution? So I imagine different people are motivated by, you know, uh, by by that about what the solution is you know you you see you find some interesting fascinating thing I, I, my mind goes back to there was another one where the, there's some kind of a mechanical thing that that provides um uh use, uses gravity to create a, a light to work in a, in a village and in so so it's you know i guess you got to figure out how do i attract how do how does this particular solution attract an audience and so uh, i th- imagine it's quite different than um, or maybe maybe it's similar to um For profit, but I find that interesting.
4: Well, it has a lot to do with competition, right, Gary? Like, if you use the example that I provided, you know, and how an organization provides water to, you know, a territory or an area that doesn't have it. I mean, between those two scenarios, I mean, are you going to be more likely to want to support the organization that creates a self sustaining opportunity or the one that continually puts a band aid on the situation? And so that's that's the difference at the end of the day. And I think, you know, if you look at the former organization, let's say, that's just kind of packaging the water up, that might make sense in certain environments, right? So that's not necessarily the wrong answer at the end of the day. But, you know, if in that same territorial space, there's another nonprofit that's helping, you know, villages, you know, obtain clean water by helping them to build and maintain wells, when you compare those two on the spectrum, obviously the one that's building self-sustainability is making a more impactful difference at the end of the day, right? I mean, that's that's the difference. So, I mean, so you have to be able to look at environments. So the first one isn't necessarily bad. It's just bad in relation to the other one if they're both operating within the same space. Make sense?
2: Yeah.
1: So... Um when you're trying to differentiate uh, yourself and and let's give the example of all of the military and veterans organizations that have sprung up in the last decade, Uh, what are some, uh, what do you think are the best strategies for differentiation in a, in a very crowded market?
4: You know, again, I think it has to go back to that solutions based mentality, right? Like how are we solving this problem? I mean, obviously, you know what the problem is, is going to be critical. Like, you know, as an example, um, you know, particularly within the veteran space, you know, you've got a lot of veterans that are coming out of the military right now, um, many of whom are disabled, many of whom need jobs. And that's that's a huge focus, you know, within the nonprofit space right now for veterans. Um, how do we get them jobs? Some organizations focus on, you know, hey, let's get them a resume. But does that really, at the end of the day, solve the job situation, Right. Um, You know, you can help somebody with a resume and they can go on interview after interview after interview and still not come up with a job at the end of the day, you know, because of a lack of cultural match, because a lack of skills, etc. And so if you really want to kind of tap into that, you know, issue, you know, you really have to be sure that you're working in that space in a way that's truly solving the problem. And I'll give an example of, you know, one organization who I've had privilege to, you know, encounter... Uh, here in San Diego that's called Workshop for Lawyers. And what they do is they train uh you know wounded veterans to operate uh either machine tools or to do welding. Uh surprisingly, you know, this is a
0: huge uh
4: industry space that needs workers uh, more than you know ever. And so these individuals are getting out of these programs that are being run by workshop for lawyers immediately going into a living wage, right? So what, you know, the individual has done or not, who is the CEO there, is he's really created a connection to a need within the workspace. And, you know, the veterans who need jobs, and he's created the glue that brings them together, which is the skills that allows those individuals to come in and do the jobs and do the jobs very, very well for the organization. So it's that solutions-based approach really making a difference, really making a connection that is truly going to create the competitive advantage in the nonprofit space, because ultimately you are really solving the problem at the end of the day.
2: Um, we're going to go for, to a break in just a minute. Uh, but uh, one thing I'm thinking it relates to the question. Mayor talked about differentiating, and we've been talking about this this whole segment. Um, but um, I'll be curious to talk about when we come back about um, the you know how do you fight ag- when you're a small one like the small nonprofit? How do you fight against the you know the big need like in Puerto Rico or the you know with Red Cross and 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 so uh, you know and the effect that has on on small uh, nonprofits. But we're uh, this is the brand ambassadors. We're talking with Jack Chirik. We're talking. Uh, branding and marketing for nonprofits. This is the Brand Ambassadors, and we'll be back in just a c- couple of minutes.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook dot com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels, you'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit voxoptima.com. That's voxoptima.com.
3: Are you finding your frequency?
0: are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program
2: Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Ponderfield, along with Merritt Hamilton Allen, and our guest Jack Chirik. And um, Jack, I, I was uh, before the break wondering um, you had mentioned uh, the, the the nonprofit in the San Diego area about um, uh, you know offering jobs, getting jobs, actual jobs for people. Um, but when you find something like a major crisis. Like the crisis in uh, in Puerto Rico and natural disaster type things, that kind of, in my view, maybe I'm wrong, kind of suck all the the the, the uh, charitable donations away and all the attention away from the small ones. With a million and a half nonprofits in the in the country, um, how does the little guy uh, get get known and, and and you know and keep up?
4: I mean, you know, when a large, you know, world natural disaster or something like that happens, you know, it clearly draws a lot of attention and, you know, gets everybody involved in some capacity. Um, You know, how does the small nonprofit or the startup or even the midsize, for that matter, kind of weather that? Um, It has to do with long-tail marketing, right? Uh, When you think about long-tail marketing, what you're really talking about is that, you know, for every issue there is, you know, there's somebody out there who's interested in it, right? And so when you talk about your brand development, development, excuse me, and your, you know, larger, you know, integrated communication strategic planning, you no, know, it really has a lot to do with understanding, you know, who your constituency base is within that long tail, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, even if a Puerto Rico comes up, sure, they might definitely want to get involved and make a difference in that space. But they're not going to abandon you because your cause, you know, your solution at the end of the day is Relevant to them, you know, that it's important. And I'll, I'll give you an example of that. You know, for instance, my father passed away from heart disease, right? So I regularly give to the American Heart Association because, you know, they're doing cutting edge research on, you know, creating solutions and, you know, really making a difference within that space. So I'm always going to have an affinity for that organization because of the simple fact that, you know, it relates to me on a personal level. You know, and that's the same thing is, you know, You know, the Puerto Rico comes up. Of course I want to help there. Of course I want to make a difference. But at the end of the day, it's not going to cause me to leave the American Heart Association because their specific mission, their specific solution set appeals to me as an individual based on life experience. And there is definitely, you know, more than enough market segment out there, you know, for people to tap into if they understand what that market segment is, if they have a true sense of self and what it is you know, that they're bringing as a nonprofit organization to creating, you know, solutions within the world.
1: I want to also talk a little bit about uh, what we were talking over uh, during the break is uh, managing a major crisis. You know, we, we've hinted at things that can uh, uh, befall a nonprofit, but I think we have a very good recent example with the Wounded Warrior Foundation learning that donations were being spent uh, quite possibly inappropriately on uh, executive uh, executive entertainment. Um, talk about, a little bit about um, how that damaged the brand, the impacts within their uh, stakeholder bases, and how uh, they've, or if they have, recovered.
4: Yeah, you know, that's a, really an interesting case study in terms of branding, right, because I think it's really two things that helped Wounded Warrior Project kind of get through that storm. Um, One is their initial brand. I mean, they make this really, you know, strong impact within, you know, the military veteran space, you know, helping wounded warriors kind of, you know, get through whatever issues they may be having, empowering them in such a way that, you know, they can move forward with their lives and, you know, hopefully they can come back and make a positive contribution in their own way. So, you know, that had a lot to do with it, right? I mean, just that, that initial and um, that allowed them to, you know, deal with it. The other thing that I think really made a difference in the case of Wounded Warrior Project is they took a step back and they really, truly examined who they were as an organization, right? They examined that identity and they realized that, you know, that, what was happening within the organization wasn't reflective of who they were as an organization. It didn't fit their culture. It didn't fit their intent. It wasn't really truly part of their brand. Um, you know, it was essentially a brand drift, so to speak, within one particular operational capacity of the organization. And so at the end of the day, what they were able to do, you know, by very effectively coming in and making some key personnel changes is you know they reaffirmed that that is not who we are. That is not who we want to be. This is you know, and and that's really made a huge difference for the organization. And I think that they've really kind of been able to come back around and you know really recover from that situation at the end of the day.
1: <laughs> now you know I have a quick follow. I have a quick follow on to that because uh, right before the the scandal emerged. uh, They'd started their advertising campaign that I found as a veteran incredibly offensive, where it was kind of like the horrible ASPCA videos of uh, puppies and kitties uh, looking sad in cages. Uh, and, and or uh, UNICEF ads with uh, malnourished children and put veterans in that same victim role and uh, wounded warriors in that same victim role. Do you think, um, am I unique in that or did other people have that reaction to positioning wounded warriors that way?
4: You know, and I, I think there's that danger, right, Merit, is that, you know, in that particular case, you're, you're absolutely right, right? That was definitely one interpretation of that situation is that, you know, perhaps they were, you know, victimizing, you know, the veterans, you know, that they were working with and they were advertising with. Um, I think what their intent was, at least was that they were trying to show how they were empowering those individuals to move on with their life and creating that empowerment and that strength and showing how, you know, they're building resiliency at the end of the day. But, you know, that's what happens with brands sometimes, right, is brands not necessarily what you want it to be. Um, you know, you can think about it, you can plan, you can strategize, but at the end of the day, it's the receiver, right? So when you viewed that, what you saw was is that they're victimizing these individuals. Um, so in that regard, you know, they, they kind of hit a speed bump, so to speak, that, you know, wasn't really, you know, well aligned with, you know, with what they want to be doing, which is empowering veterans, empowering that wounded warrior culture at the end of the day. So you see that happen from time to time, and that's where you've got to go back And you really have to re-examine your brand and you have to re-examine what it is that you're doing and make sure that your tactical actions are really aligned with your strategy at the end of the day.
2: One thing that I was, when that whole thing happened, um, the the, the, the phrase wounded warrior is used a lot. Certainly government organizations that are hiring the wounded warrior. And so one thing I'm thinking about is um, maybe you'd call it brand bleed or something like that. When something happens and you go well, wait a minute what what organization was it that did that i don't know and so the, so i wonder if that affects other organizations that aren't even related directly but simply by the brand not being you know they have a very strong by the way i think that their image you know that that the specific icon of the wounded warrior project is very powerful but i just when it happened when it happened i kept scratching my head thinking wait a minute which organization was it i, I know it was the wounded warrior project or but maybe Maybe with something else. Do you think that's a problem? Sometimes that, you know, the, the differentiating your brand itself from some other brand that may get in trouble.
4: I think any time that you have something like that happen in the nonprofit space, um, it creates ripple effects for all nonprofits. Um, So in the case of Wounded Warrior, you know, where there was definitely some questions about, you know, how they were using funding, right? Like, you know, should they be, you know, paying for, you know, these jets and these hotel rooms and these conference fees, et cetera? Um, it, It creates a space where the public and particularly, you know, the donor public begins to scrutinize all nonprofits, um, I don't think it really matters what sector the nonprofit's in. It automatically becomes a concern for everybody. Where they sit there and they say, "Okay, is the nonprofit that I support, or the you know group of nonprofits I support, are they spending their money responsibly?" Um, you know, I saw this as well at my organization. You know, where I had my advisory board members come back to me during that time. You know, and even though the organization, you know, spends 92% of their, you know, funding on meeting the mission, you know, what my advisory board member was very concerned about is how is the other 8% being spent? Is it being spent responsibly, right? Because, I mean, 8% of $20 billion is an awful lot of money, you know, and so if it's not being managed properly, you know, then clearly that creates an issue. And the nonprofit I work for didn't, you know, have that kind of revenue, unfortunately, but it's, it, really kind of shows you know how one you know uh, nonprofits problem becomes all nonprofits problems that you know when we really start to think about it
1: so uh, you know I, I think uh, one thing that we might want to we're coming up on our last segment if you'll join us um, uh, for our last segment I'd like to talk a little bit more about the challenges of branding the veteran community because we have so many different stakeholders and needs, uh, as uh, everything from um, uh, the image of homeless veterans, uh, the uh, the need to make. Uh, uh, military people who've been taught to be resilient no matter what, acknowledge and seek treatment for PTSD, Uh, veteran business ownership, there are so many audience segments, Um, I I think that would be uh, a good conversation conversation to have, and I think as a veteran who works in branding, you might have a few words to say about it, Jack.
4: (laughs) Absolutely, I'm more than happy to stick around.
1: Well, wonderful. Um, and uh, I would pl- ask our listeners, please, to join in the conversation. Send us an email at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com or call our listener line at, as I scroll up, eight six six You're listening to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton-Allen, joined by Gary Potterfield and Jack Chirik of Now You Know. and. Uh, please come back after the break. We're going to talk about the challenge of branding veterans, and we don't mean that, Gary, in a hazing sort of sense. Stay with okay. us.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy, and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit voxoptima.com. That's voxoptima.com. You are listening to the Brand Ambassadors. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield along with Merritt Hamilton Allen and Jack Chirik. here for our last segment, um, um, we're going to talk about the entire branding and veterans. Something that came to, that I was thinking about is, as as Merritt brought up the topic uh, for this last segment, um, d- is it possible, guys, that the population is becoming? Um, um, is it possible for people to be uh, uh, o- overdosing on the on the word veteran? I mean, is that possible? I mean, are, are we hearing too much about it? I mean, you hear about it in the airports. I'm not. Criticizing, I'm just wondering if that can happen in, in, in this sort of a brand, or this sort of a, a, an area. I open it to you fellows.
4: Um, you know, I'm not sure that you can necessarily oversaturate something that's relevant and important, right? Um, it would be saying, like, you know, could there be too much food in the world? I mean, you, at the end of the day, are really going to be, you know, making impactful difference if you bring food to communities that don't have it. Um, It's the same thing. I think our veterans, our heroes that have gone and supported, you know, our country um, have gone a long way in, you know, really making a difference for America. And people want to thank them for that. People want to honor them for that at the end of the day, I think what you really start to see within the space is, you know, what are the real issues affecting veterans, and how is it that we're working to, you know, create solutions to those issues, right? So you see a saturation in the space of a lot of organizations that want to make a difference in the veteran community, but are they really at You know, are they really getting to the core of the problem? Are they really creating solutions? Or are they replicating what somebody else is already doing within that market space? I think, you know, when that starts to happen, um, it creates competition, you know, for donor dollars, you know, in terms of, you know, donors can only support, you know, so many of the nonprofits out there within a particular, you know, market segment. And as a result, you know, everybody suffers because instead of somebody doing something really, really well. You know, you've got a bunch of different individuals that are kind of doing it just okay.
1: Well, I think, I think it's uh, important to also understand all the ramifications of uh, your, your brand segment. Uh, I started working with uh, veteran-focused branding uh, from a business perspective, uh, helping uh, to uh, uh, push for the veteran-owned business set-asides and federal contracting and the whole emphasis on why veterans are such good, uh, good business owners and such reliable investment risks, etc. like that. But because of a lack of awareness, really the homeless, um, drug-addicted, PTSD veteran, and this was some 15 years ago, was, was still a specter. And I uh, was completely insulted by that and didn't consider it something we had to overcome and had to regroup and realize, no, I need to, I, I need to consider every aspect of the veteran brand as I go and promote this, uh, this one element.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it kind of goes back to that ripple effect we were talking about, right, where you know, people form an image of a singular idea. Um, and you know, so if we all think that something's bad, You have to overcome that as an organization, you know, if you're trying to help that. And that has to be incorporated into your larger brand strategy. Uh, Otherwise, you know, it's going to be exactly that, right? It's going to be an unexpected roadblock. So not only do you consider, you know, all the strengths of your organization, you have to consider external weaknesses and, you know, assumptions that are being made by individuals outside of the organization. And that's where, you know, things surveys and you know focus groups etc about what people really think about you know your culture and you know the client population you're trying to serve is but then that also goes back to the long tail right um, you know within that particular segment you know even if that's true because you know clearly there are organizations like the Veterans Village here in San Diego, that does work with that specific population. You know, they work with individuals, you know, who have drug and alcohol addictions, and they help to get them into, you know, um, you know, positive living conditions, counseling, etc. And so, you know that particular image works for them. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not something that is true of all veterans. It's just that particular market market segment. So you really do have to consider that. But there's definitely, you know, something within the long tail that you can appeal to if you really get your planning down correctly.
2: Jack, in your experience, uh, long experience in uh, working nonprofits, particularly with uh, veterans-related stuff, um, do you find, have you found um that the various organizations are uh, collaborative supportive or is it because the you know because the 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 donor dollars are limited is there is the competition is, is it you know more more competitive than collaborative you know how do you see that whole thing
4: um, i think it's both to be honest with you right there's going to be some organizations out there that you know want to be very collaborative and then there are certain organizations that are out there that are very personal. Um, you know, it, it almost sometimes seems like, you know, kids on a sports field, like the best one out there is my kid, right? And so there couldn't be anyone that's possibly better than mine. And so as a result, I'm going to focus all my energies on that. I think that when people get into that, it's a huge mistake uh, because at the end of it, really what can happen is that, you know... Brands can borrow from other brands. And so if you've got a strong brand that comes in and partners with another brand, really they can enhance one another, right? So you take, for instance, you know, the example of, you know, veterans finding jobs. So you've got this wonderful organization like Workshop for Warriors out there that, you know, is very focused on providing, you know, this training to help them either become, you know, welders or machinists machinist, you know, in one capacity or another. But what they don't do is provide housing for these veterans. And, you know, while these individuals are going through school, you know, they might not be drawing an income. How are they able to come to school every day if they can't, you know, uh, that they just don't have a place to live. So by partnering with another nonprofit that can provide that living space, they enhance one another's activities, and they create, you know, greater recognition of both brands and how together they're really working to solve the problem, you know, because the problem is more than just the jobs. You know, there's the immediate uh, problem of the housing that has to be considered as well.
1: And, you know, I think sometimes it's a challenge just getting veterans to identify as same. And this is particularly true, I think, of my generation of veterans. Um, End of Cold War. I mean, uh, I came in in 91, so we didn't even really have Russia to hate anymore. Uh, And, you know, as a a stalwart public affairs officer, um, uh, this uh, image, this resilient, tough image of of a veteran, I'm like, oh, that's not me. And I think sometimes it can be difficult, uh, and uh, also uh, with Cold War veterans, post Vietnam, uh, pre 9/11, that whole generation of service members uh, tend to see themselves as "I was in the military," or even "I'm retired military." Uh, but they don't want to, you know, they don't want to use the V word, uh, as it were, because it uh, symbolizes something that uh, they don't think they are. Uh, I found this very interesting uh trying to t- talk with some folks about uh service disabled veteran uh, uh uh business ownership and no they he's always said oh yeah i have a disability but i don't want to go take a handout so i think that's yeah. I, I think that's a challenge we'll continue to have with, with veteran branding uh a final statements from you jack can tell people how to reach you before we close the show
4: Sure. You know, I just want to touch on that real briefly. Minutes. I think you're absolutely right. You know, that's a huge barrier for people to get past, um, you know, but I think that they need to get past it. I mean, you know, we all need help at the end of the day and it is okay to ask for help. Um, as as far as final thoughts, uh, you know, I definitely think that, you know, all nonprofits should be thinking about their brand and they should be doing so, you know, from an integrated perspective, right? So they need to be thinking about their advertising, their marketing, their public relations, their HR, et cetera. Um, if they're not doing that, they're not truly really building brand. If they really want their brand to resonate, that's what they have to really kind of consider all aspects of that. As far as getting in touch with me, I um, can be found on LinkedIn uh, at Jack Sherrick or on Twitter at jsherrick.
1: And that's C H I R I R R I C K. That's all the time we have uh, for t- uh, today's episode of the Brand Ambassadors. Thank you, Jack Sherrick. Um, it's been great talking with you, uh, Gary Potterfield. Uh, as always, thanks uh, for your insight. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to the brand ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern time and 6 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.